0: And we're starting a series today entitled More Than a Star. And I I just want to focus on this for a little bit. It is interesting to me that when you look throughout the scriptures, how the stars and the heavens get brought into play very early on. I mean, we read in, in the story of creation that God creates the heavens and the earth, right? We read that immediately. Also, there are so many times throughout the scriptures that you will see a rebuke being given. Because the people were worshiping the stars and the starry host. And, and the Lord would use a prophet or a priest to come in and say, Hey, get your eyes off the created things. And look at the one that created the things that you do see. Now, I understand why people can get confused by that. Man, When you're out, you're away from all the lights of the city. And you're out and you're seeing the galaxies and the stars shine in all of their glory and you notice the constellations and their rotation and their seasonal appearing and the shapes and you're discovering and you're seeking i see why people got off target it can be breathtaking it can be mesmerizing honestly the heavens when you look it can be majestic but the lord's saying to his people don't you recognize that the heavens that you're focused on is being majestic i'm the one that created the heavens I'm the one that spoke them into existence. So rather than focusing on the created things, focus on the creator. Isn't it interesting that we still go through that in our lives? That we have to be careful that we're not focusing on the things that we see and we feel rather than on the one that we don't necessarily see with our physical eyes. Focusing on the creator of all things rather than created things. Now, I am going to share a few verses with you about the heavens because I like them. Look in Psalm chapter 8 verses 1 through 4. Now, I don't know if I remember ever reading this chapter before I heard Sandy Patty sing this chapter. Any Sandy Patty fans from back in the day, right? That girl could hit some octaves that uh, aren't even on the keyboard. I mean, she could go up there and she sang this song. I remember going, oh, that's a great song. And then I stumbled across it. I actually read my Bible. Who knew, right? But when I read my Bible, that the song that she did was actually based out of the scriptures. And it says this. Lord, our Lord, or she said, Oh, Lord, our Lord. And we'll do it the way that Sandy did it, because that's more important than what a text actually says. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens... The work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place. What is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Look how beautiful this is. Lord, your, your name is majestic in all the earth. There is not a place that we can go that the majestic name of our God isn't there. Don't you love the truth that's given? That through the praise of children and infants, God's established a stronghold against his enemies. How many want a stronghold against your enemy? How do you want a a wall that the enemy knows that he can't cross and touch you or your family anymore? Anybody else get fed up with the enemy touching you and your children? When you know that God's word says that the enemy doesn't even have a right to do so, and yet he pushes those boundaries anyway? One of the ways that you can fortify those boundaries are by leading your children to become people of praise and people of worship. It's a beautiful picture that through the praise to the Lord that's given by children and by infants that God establishes a stronghold against our enemies. And it silences the foe and the avenger. There are times that as a family, I'm like, man, we need to pray about this. We need to worship. We need to draw the line. We need to press in in this moment. I'm not just talking about establishing family devotions from 7 until 7.15 every evening where we all gather together and we don't want to be there and we get mad at each other and we leave bitter. I'm talking about a life of praise, a life of worship that goes beyond just going, we're going to have devotions five days a week no matter what. It goes beyond that. It's establishing a pattern. There are times that as a family that we know we just got to pray on it and we've got to worship through it. There are times when you're fighting sickness or when you're fighting an attack or when you're fighting discouragement that what you need to do the most is praise the Lord when you feel like doing it the least. And sometimes you even feel a little hypocritical when you're doing it because you don't feel like doing it, but how many know that feelings are liars? So when we don't live according to our feeling, we live according to our faith, we live according to the revelation of the word of God, and we praise on it when we don't want to praise on it, and it draws a line that tells the enemy, you can't touch me, you can't come to this place. Man, when I look at the moon and the stars, which God set in place, what are we that he's even mindful of us? Have you ever been out far, away, uh, far enough away from the city on a camping trip or on a late night or on a hayride where you look up and you see the majesty of the heavens? It's overwhelming. It's enormous. And da- David's caught up in that. He's like, when I look at all this and I see that all you've done, who are we that you even think about us? Look in Psalm 113, verses three through six. It says, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Man, from moment to moment There's not a moment God isn't worthy of praise The Lord's exalted over the nations His glory above the heavens So now we've got even more revelation Not only do we have the heavens That God's created And his, the majesty of his name That throws throughout the earth But it says here that his glory Is actually above the heavens The Hebrew word for glory here is kavod You've probably heard that one before Kavod We tend to say uh, kavod or Have you ever heard of Ichabod? Ichabod which means the glory departed, okay? It actually would be ikavod. Kavod is the weighty, heavy, splendid, bright presence of God. Have you ever been in a worship moment and it feels like it got brighter? Your eyes are even closed and you're worshiping the Lord and it feels brighter around you. You're like, you're like did they turn on another light and they didn't turn on another light? It's just another sense of his presence that just moved in. Or you're knelt before him And you just feel the tangible presence of God and your shoulders start to go down a little bit. And it's not in a bad way. Just that heaviness of God, the glory of God, the kavod of God, all of that is set above the heavens. As majestic as the heavens are, they don't compare to the glory of God. The glory of God is above all of that. Who's like the Lord our God? The one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. There's a visual for you. How majestic is the I am that you serve? How powerful, omnipotent, big, massive is your king? He stoops down to see the heavens. Thatcher Purtle's one of our little guys in the church, and he's my little buddy, and I'll tell you how I won him over. I won Thatcher Purtle over with cookies. That's all it took. So he, he he was easy. About third week of cookies, he was my buddy. All right, that's all it took. And uh, I referred to him this morning, and sure enough, after our our first service was done, when he came out of service, Pastor Brad, and he runs over because he knows I'm going to drop down to my knee, because I want to bring him up to my level, and I bring him up to my level by getting down on his level. And he comes over, and I'm like, Hey, what's going on, buddy? And he slides up. I'm like, Man, I've missed you. How are you doing? You good, Pastor Brad? And he's kind of looking at me, and I look at Bethany, and she just shakes her head like, here we go again. I'm like, you want a cookie? (laughs) Now, how many you know that the answer to that 99.999999% of the time is yes? So really, in some ways, it's a foolish question, because we know he wants a cookie. It's probably why he ran over there in the first place. But I stooped down to make him great. I want to call out his greatness. I, I also want him to know that his pastor is his friend. Because there might be a day that he needs to talk to his pastor, and he doesn't even really want to. But that's the guy that's been sugaring me up for my whole life. I guess I can go talk to him. I'll be honest with you when I was brought up in the church, the pastor was so untouchable that I was kind of freaked out by the guy. And I want to create an atmosphere around here where our children know they could turn to any of us because we actually create an environment that's safe for them, and we love them. from the pastor, to the door greeter, to the youth sponsor, to any of us that worship on a Sunday, that they're not a nuisance, they're the life of the church, right? We stoop down to make them great. Isn't that a beautiful image of what God did for us at Christmas? That he stooped down to make us great? The same God that, that literally, I mean, I have a hard time comprehending that my God's glory is so far above the heavens that to see him, he goes ahead and he just bends over a little bit just to get a better look. Any any men in the room? Do you have to bend over when you're looking for something in the refrigerator because it's never where your wife tells you that it is? You know what I'm talking about? She's like, it's on the second shelf. I mean, you almost have to get down, concentrate, back up, get at the proper position before, you know what I'm, heaven forbid we move anything. Can I get an amen? I mean, you do, there's just got to be a better angle to see this thing, and, and God will stoop down to look at the heavens, and he'll stoop down to look at you and me. Think about it. You serve a God who stoops down to get a better look at the stars, he will gladly stoop down to get a better look at you. He loves it. I love it when you see a new baby born, and typically when a baby's born, they are new, but I love it when you see a new baby born, and grandparents come in that are the, the matriarchs and the patriarchs of the family. And they bend over and get as close as they can to notice every detail. I don't know how many little babies that we've visited. And the first thing that I see happen is Beth take off the socks and start. She's like, I want to see everything. I'm like, the kid's freezing. She's like, I got to see the toes. I got to see the toes. You just, you're you're fascinated. God actually is really, he's really caught up with you. He just loves you that much. He he loves the way that he's designed you and he loves the way that you're working it out and you're figuring it out and he gets caught up looking at you. Look at Psalm 33, five through six. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. What does the Lord love? Righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. What's the earth full of? The unfailing love of God. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Man, he spoke and stars were established. He spoke and galaxies were formed. He spoke and the sun was set in place. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. Have you ever heard of our God referred to as the star breather? I mean, literally, from the breath of the mouth of your God, stars were formed. Galaxies were formed. It all took place when he spoke the word. When you read back at the account of creation, you'll even notice on the first day that one of the first things that God says, let there be light. And it's not even until day four where he says, let there be heavens and stars and moon and sun. Those things that we think of producing light, those were created later. God created light before he needed anything else to produce light. God spoke light and then he gave other opportunities for light to take place, and it all came from his mouth. Every star in the sky has been established by him. Think about it. The very breath that gives life to the stars gives life to mankind. He's still speaking life over you and me today. Where's his unfailing love? It's throughout the earth. What does God love? Righteousness and justice. Where is the glory of God? It's above the heavens. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. Man, he's amazing. Look in Job chapter 38, verses 31 to 33. I don't know why we always pronounce it Job. I'm personally taking, I'm making this my cause. And from now on, it shall be Job at Faith Chapel. There's no no E at the end. Job 38, 31. God asks this great question, and, and if you've read this book before, you know that there's a lot of confusion trying to figure out what's going on. Job and his family were going through some incredibly difficult times. He was going through a difficult time, and then people came to give him counsel. Don't you love it when good people come to give you counsel? And don't you hate it when the wrong people come to give you counsel? Right, you know what I'm talking about. These guys with the the gift of discouragement show up. They're giving counsel It makes no sense. And finally, even God gets to the point where he can't take it anymore. He's like, "Who is this that shuns my counsel?" And he speaks up. Have you ever been in a room where you hear so much foolishness and it gets you to the point you're like, "I gotta talk. I gotta talk. I gotta." ah!" And it comes out. Anybody else done that? I know you've done it on Facebook. I follow you, but it, (laughs) right? Okay. God got to the place. He's like, I'm done with the foolishness of their words. These people don't get it. They don't even get how much they don't get. So God starts throwing some questions. Parents do this all the time. Do you pay the house payment? Have you studied that already? Do you have a college degree? How many years have you spent it? You ever do that? Okay. It's evil, but you do it, right? Well, maybe it's not evil. God did it. He looks at these people, he looks at Job, or Job, as I say, he says, can you bind the beautiful Pleiades? Can you loose the cords of Orion? Can you bring forth the constellations in their season or lead out the bear with its cubs? Do you know the laws of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Have you noticed God's not giving a lot of chance for response yet? He's just throwing one thing after another. Now, I guess it's okay to mention these constellations in church because God did. So I guess it's okay. So uh, if the ushers will go ahead and bring the horoscopes forward, we, no, no, that's not where we're going. There's, there's a study of astronomy and there's an, a study of astrology. And one of them is the study of the planets and another one gets way off track. Which one's which? I can never remember. Astrology bad. Uh, right okay astrology bad say it with me astrology bad all right so please don't go off and, and do the wrong thing here but let's let's view this for a second Pleiades is known as the seven sisters it's a cluster of seven stars that are close together at least from our perspective and the Lord says can you bind them together in other words these seven stars that are close to one another did did you do that did, were you the one that put them that close together? I, I, I didn't think so. Can you loose the cords of Orion? Maybe he referred to Orion because o, Orion's on the celestial equinox. It's a, it's a constellation that at some point going to be viewed from the whole, everybody on earth over the course of the year, everybody's going to see it at some point. So he's like, can you, can you loose his cords, Orion the hunter? Are, are you the one that can do that or, or is that me? Can you bring forth the constellations in their season? Or lead out the bear with its cubs? So the Lord's saying, I know that you're paying attention to the heavens, and you see that the constellations come at different times. Are you the ones that do that, or or, or am I the one that's doing that? Can you lead out the bear with its cubs? Now, when I think about that, uh, the Lord's not shifting from talking about the galaxies to talking about a mama bear in Alaska, but we're talking about Ursa Major, Right, We all know, we've heard about this, that the Big Dipper's a part of that constellation, and in that constellation, you have a bear with its cubs. It's been said that it was probably named that because it is a constellation that is visible year-round. You always see that one, just like a mama bear is always watching out for her cubs. Are there any mama bears in the house? Are you always watching out for your cubs? Okay, you know what I'm talking, <laughs> yeah, and one of the cubs spoke up. <laughs> yes, mama bear does, right? And that's okay, because mama bear carried you for 40 weeks, and intercedes you, and, and went through things that we can't even imagine, right? And men, you just better amen me on this one, all right? Okay, they, and mama bears watch out for their cubs. I watched the lady in my home watching out for her daughter as we've been fighting Sophia back to health i've watched her stand and pray and intercede i've watched her look at doctors and go wow you're off target in this one and, I, I, and do what a mama bear does and the lord's saying are, are you the one that that leads out the bear with the cubs is, it, is that and i hate to even say cubs you know that about me it just gives horrible memories from <laughs> the world series this year it just makes me want to twitch do you know the laws of the heavens Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? God is, he he wants us looking upward. The heavens help us to think of heaven. The heavens helped us to, to try to imagine the majesty of the one that created the heavens. But have you ever realized that even the star at Christmas was a prophetic word? We all know about the star that, that guided the, the magi or the wise men or the, you know, the guy with the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh, and there probably weren't necessarily three of them. But we all know about the star in the Christmas story, but did you know that the star was actually prophesied that it was going to happen to be a part? Did you know that? I find it fascinating. One of the things that I find fascinating about it is who God used to prophesy it. So I'm going to talk about that for a little. My introduction's done at 12.06. That's amazing. And now I'm going to give the message, which really isn't all that long today. Um, And all God's people said, we believe it when we see it. I understand. I understand. Okay? So let me just remind you of this. The Israelites had (laughs) left. This is how far back we have to go to get to this prophecy. The Israelites had been enslaved in uh, Egypt for 400 years. They were brought out of Egypt, they came through the Sea of Reeds, the Red Sea, they were delivered, and then they spent how many years meandering around in the wilderness? Do you remember? Forty years. Um, I've heard some ladies preach this, that it's because Moses refused to stop and get directions. That is not what it was. Um, so we, we still need to straighten out this theology um, Actually it was They had one year meandering around the wilderness For every day that the explorers Had looked at the promised land And they'd spent 40 days in the promised land And they weren't supposed to be analyzing Whether they could take the land or not Actually they were supposed to go And just see what God had given to them And they came back going It's amazing but we can't take it Why would we ever think that we can't take What God says is already ours Right So, they spent the next 40 years meandering around in the wilderness while the older generation passed away. So, can you imagine like year 38 and there's like 15 old people still left? You think that maybe they're like, maybe we could speed this up. You know what I'm saying? All right. Kevorkian was formed and some things. No. All right. So, 40 years meandering around the wilderness. Now, as they were going around the wilderness even though there'd been disobedience how many know that God's love for his people is so great there are times he blesses us for our obedience but how many know there are times that he blesses us in spite of our disobedience just because he's a good God and they were growing they were multiplying as a matter of fact they were growing so much that the king of the Moabites became very threatened by Israel he's like man I can't stop these people It's obvious that God is with them. Why would he think that God was with them? Well, for 40 years, as you know, God provided manna for them to eat from heaven every day. That's a pretty good sign. On a cold desert night, he provided his presence as a pillar of fire over them. In a hot desert day, he provided his presence as a cloud over them. So he kept them warm at night. He kept them cool in the day. He provided for every need that they had. His glory was always with them. And Balak, the king of the Moabites, went, man, God's with these people. How many know that if God's with you, eventually people will start to recognize it? Okay? And the glory of the Lord that was over the heavens was also over his people. And I want you to know the glory of the Lord that was over the heavens is over you and it's in you, and there's a blessing on you. No matter what your circumstances say, no matter what you're going through, the glory of the Lord is in you and through you and belongs to you, and all God's people said amen. All right, now, and with the voice cracking, thank you. So with that said, Balak's looking at this group of people, and he's like, I got to deal with them, Because they've got a blessing on them, and they're going to overtake me. They're going to overtake my land. So I need somebody to help. Hey, I heard about Balaam. Have you ever heard about Balaam? Balaam was a sorcerer. This guy dealt as a warlock. He dealt in witchcraft. He was rebellious. He was constantly conjuring up evil spirits. And Balak thought, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hire Balaam to put a curse on Israel, and it'll dismantle them, and I'm going to be kept safe. So he meets with Balaam. They agree on a certain amount of cash. And Balaam's like, I'll take care of it for you, boss. Not a problem at all. And so Balak goes to a place where he can stand over all of Israel and see them. They're camped out, their people, their comings and goings. And he's getting ready to put a curse on them. And as he starts to speak, the Holy Spirit of God overpowers him. And rather than speaking the curse that he had prepared, he began to prophesy blessing. Oh, Israel, look at your tents. They will flourish. They will expand. More is yet to come to you. God has chosen you and sealed you. Every nation will... And he's like... And Balak's like, it's not what I paid for. (laughs) Have you ever not quite received what you thought that you had purchased, right? Balak's like, he's like, hey, we need to talk. I, I don't know if you quite understood what I was communicating to you here. And so he spoke again and he tried again and he prophesied again. And a third time, and he prophesied again. Balak's not a happy camper at this moment, okay? There's some subtle lessons in here that I wasn't planning on sharing, but I feel like I need to mention to you. How many you know that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principality and power? We are in a spiritual battle, okay? I'll just, I'll let you know one of the things that my 12-year-old Sophia said this week. One of the, the people that was meeting with us, because there's a place when you're fighting something physically where there's physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, it all comes together. How I many you know what I'm talking about? It all comes together. And a lady steps into the room and she said, you know, sometimes these battles are just mental. And Sophie goes, and sometimes they're satanic. I'm like, straighten her out, sister. Straighten her out. Because Sophie was recognizing the spiritual attack against her in this yeah we needed physical healing and still do and we need an emotion I mean when you spend I don't know we spent seven days in the hospital last week and we five days two weeks before that we've we've 12 12 days 12, 13 days in the hospital out of 24 that's enough I, I don't need any more. okay so we we knew that yeah we need some emotional encouragements I mean this has been quite a quite a crazy but we could feel the spiritual battle as well now, what aggravates me is when the enemy touches me when God's word says that he's not allowed to. Because 1 John chapter 5 says that the evil one cannot touch you, but we have to be the one to enforce the borders. Because children that are rebellious will always push the borders, even children that are inquisitive will push the borders. Have you ever watched a beautiful child that you love dearly watch, walk right over to an outlet? What is it? What is so fascinating about these little things on the wall? Those three little holes that just call to you, come to me. There are great mysteries and revelations on the other side of these three little holes. And you just want to go and you touch them so bad, right? I, what, I don't know what it is about the inquisitiveness about that. I do know that if inquisitiveness can become rebellion if they don't listen. And there can still be a problem. How many of you have, have you ever had children do something that you told them not to do? Wow, three of you. That's amazing. So... We really need to develop that in our, in our culture. So yeah, we've, we've had that happen. How many husbands haven't done what you've been told to do? I said, let's go, yeah, five of you. Okay, all right, so you get it, okay? The enemy doesn't do what he's supposed to do. He wants to do what he wants to do, so he's going to push the borders all the time. It's one of the reasons that we, God has ordained praise as a stronghold, Because praise helps to keep him back. But there are times you just have to enforce the borders. Now the reason that I bring this up right here. Balaam was a a warlock, folks. He was conjuring demonic spirits. A man that was fully partnered with demonic activity. When he went to speak a curse over God's people. The curse became a blessing out of his mouth. He literally couldn't curse what God had blessed. And we need to recognize that even though we're in a spiritual battle, the battle's already been won. And even though there are times that we fight, we fight from a position of victory. You're already a champion. You're already more than a conqueror. Jesus has already defeated death, hell, the grave, and ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he is seated at his right hand, and he has poured out his spirit that is on you and in you, and you're already victorious, and it ultimately doesn't matter what the enemy speaks against you. His words are lies. It matters what God has spoken into your life okay there's somebody that beth and i know his name's robbie robbie mitchell he's been an evangelist for years and years as a matter of fact i went to youth camp when he was an evangelist at our camp back back before we had electrical power i mean so this guy's been around for a while and robbie was on a trip to go minister across the country one day he ends up seated next to somebody else on the plane they end up in a conversation and the guy's like, what do you do? And Robbie goes, well, I, I, you know, I'm a motivational speaker. Wanted to use that to start talking about Jesus, right? So talk, I talk to kids. And what do you do? Oh, I'm a warlock. Oh, yeah, I'm a part of a satanic coven. And the guy, wow. They had conversation. And in the conversation, Robbie found out something that was really interesting, that satanic covens in our nation have made a covenant with one another, that they will get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to pray curses against pastors in their families. They're cursing for their children to be rebellious. They're cursing for division to take place in their homes, for them to be bound by sickness. And they're cursing pastors because they believe if they can curse the voice in the local church, eventually they can destroy the church. Now, let me just ask you by show of hands, how many of you have ever woke up feeling like you're in a spiritual battle at 3 o'clock in the morning? I mean, three o'clock, okay? There is some biblical precedence there because the changing of the guard was from nine until 12. And then there was a watch from 12 to three and another watch, the last watch of the night from three to six. So there's a changing of the guard and I understand that. But I also think as Christians, we need to recognize that's a time when somebody is literally speaking curses against the house of God. We need to recognize that. But at the same time, we're not afraid of that. (laughs) <laughs> you know what? I just when, I, when we learn that, I'm like, God, in Jesus' name, I pray that every curse that's been spoken against our family would become a blessing. They've spoken sickness. We receive health. They've spoken, uh, spoken poverty. We receive prosperity. They've spoken division. We receive a whole unit. They've spoken rebellion. We receive obedience. God, we receive the opposite of everything that they've declared over us. This, this warlock is trying to curse God's people. But he ends up speaking a blessing over them. And look at this verse, and it'll kind of be the, one of the last things I share. Matthew 24, verses 15 to 17. Then he utters this oracle. So remember, this is Balaam. This is the warlock. He's trying to put a curse on God's people. He goes, the oracle, or the word of Balaam, son of Beor. The oracle of one whose eyes see clearly. Hmm. The oracle of one who hears the words of God. So, this guy that wanted to curse, his eyes are being opened, who has knowledge from the Most High, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls prostrated. Are you getting this? He's starting to curse, and he sees the I am. And he gets a vision, and he falls on his face, and he says, And whose eyes are opened, I see him. But not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Balaam's getting ready to curse God's people, and his eyes are opened, and he sees Jesus. I see him, but but not now. I see him, but he's a long way off. He's a star of Jacob. He's a scepter from Israel. This is powerful. He prophesied that Jesus would come. He had his eyes open to Jesus hundreds of years before the Israelites hadn't even taken the promised land yet, and the prophecy of the star was given to us by a warlock. How amazing is that? You tell me God can't use anything. Who ended up speaking to Balaam because of his foolishness? Do you remember? Balaam's donkey. If God can use a donkey to speak... He can use a sorcerer to speak. My goodness, he might even use me, right? Yeah, I wanted to read this in the King James Version because he's not referred to as a donkey in the King James Version. And if God can use an A to speak, he can use anything. Can I get a hallelujah, right? The brother was rebuked by his own A. That's kind of crazy, okay? And if, you, if you're not familiar with that one, dig into it. It is a lot of fun. It's a great, it's a great scripture. A star will come out of Jacob a scepter will rise out of Israel. Now, we already know the scepter. God loves righteousness and justice. And it said that Jesus came to bring righteousness and justice. We understand scepter. We understand kingly authority. Think about star for a moment. As a matter of fact, after the Israelites spent time in the promised land. They were disobedient. You guys know. They set up Jerusalem as the capital city. They grew and they prospered, but they partnered so often with disobedience that the Lord uh, used the Babylonians to straighten out his people, right? They were exiled from Israel for a season. That's where uh, we learn about Daniel. We learn about Shadrach, Meshach, and Tibed we go. Remember those guys? Okay, we learn about all those guys. And they minister in Babylon. Babylon has quite a season of strength and power as they're expanding. And this isn't just biblical history. This is history. Babylon has quite a season of power. And then the Persian Empire begins to arise, which we all know that Iran, Iraq, there's a touch of the Persian Empire, especially Iran. So the Persian Empire begins to arise. Daniel was a counselor to the king of Babylon and his son. The son didn't receive his counsel, but nonetheless, he spoke words of truth to him. And when the Persian Empire rose and took over Babylon, Daniel was so highly respected that they gave him a position of honor within Persia, and he actually taught their wise men. He taught their people. Now, Daniel was a prophet. Daniel prophesied many things about Jesus and his coming that we haven't even seen yet, which tells me that Jesus fulfilled many of them in his first coming, but other things will be fulfilled when he comes back again. How many know that we serve a king that's coming back again? Okay, he's coming back again. So Daniel taught the Persians these things. And one of the things that Daniel would have taught them was that a star would come out of Jacob and a scepter would come out of Israel. He would have taught them that. And I think it's interesting because nine out of 10 dentists and nine out of 10 biblical theologians believe that the magi that came from the east came from the Persian empire. So you're talking about people from Persia that had been influenced by Daniel and his teaching from generation to generation were watching the stars, which is the study of what? Astronomy, I can't remember, right? Okay, so they're watching the stars until one day they see this star appear that wasn't normally there. Now, if you read, and you can Google this about the star of Bethlehem, it is a fascinating study about how Mars and Venus align at the right time And they're in the constellation of Leo, the lion. Jesus being from the lion of the tribe of Judah. It's fascinating when you go back and you see that those planets aligned in Leo at the right time. That from the Persian perspective, from that Iran area of our world. That looking at that, it would have appeared to have been right over Jerusalem. Right over Israel. So they started their travel nine months right they start their travel and they work their way to Israel now if you think a king's being born where do you go you go to the capital city you go to the king's family because obviously the king and his wife have had a royal son right look at Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 after jesus was born in bethlehem now let me just re- do a little word study on bethlehem here just because it's fun beth Or as they say, baith, but we'll just stick with our pronunciation. Beth means house. La is of. Hem is bread. So Bethlehem literally means house of bread. Now, isn't it interesting that Jesus, the bread of life, was born in the house of bread? I don't think these things are coincidental. Okay. Have you ever heard it said that a coincidence is when God chooses to be anonymous? Okay, no coincidences. So Jesus is born. The bread of life is born in the house of bread. bread. After Jesus was born in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Of course they went to King Herod. They're there to celebrate the new king. We saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. And King Herod's like, "Um, what king are you talking about? Uh, Hey, go find this king. And when you find him, make sure you tell me about him because I want to go and worship him too. Have you ever met a liar? Okay, right? So King Herod sends them off on a mission and the Magi were warned in a dream not to go back by the way of King Herod because God was protecting his own son. He was protecting Jesus. This is where I'll end for today. I don't know if it's leaving you hanging or not. But I find it fascinating in a season of the year when we always think about Gabriel speaking to Mary, and we should. And we think about where will he be born in the city of Bethlehem. He'll be born of a virgin, and what will his name be? Emmanuel, which means God with us. All of these beautiful prophecies of Jesus for his first advent, his first appearing Let's not forget the prophecy of the star and that the prophecy was given by a sorcerer that was overwhelmed by the presence of God. I want to encourage you today. It doesn't matter if they're a devil worshiper or not. They can't get away from the presence of Jesus. And it doesn't matter if somebody, if you love them and they're in rebellion and you think they keep hardening their heart, I don't know how God's ever going to break through. Are you kidding me? We serve a God that stoops down to look at the stars. He stoops down to see the heavens. I don't think that anybody's unreachable. And that star is proof, once again, God fulfills his promises, even promises that he uses a sorcerer to give. He's faithful. He's faithful. It's so much more than a star. Five things, and I'll just read them off quickly. Number one, the star was the creation of the breath of God. Number two, the star was the promise of God to stoop down toward us. Number three, the star was the prophecy of a king for all people. How many you know that Jesus might have been born a Jew, but he's more than just the king of the Jews? He's our king. The star was the guarantee that a scepter of righteousness and justice would be given. And I know that it was given because I even see you carry it. I watch you carry a scepter of righteousness and justice in your life. And number five, the star was the sign that God hung over his own son to announce his arrival to the world. We use signs because they're a big deal. If you want to take a picture of that, we'll leave it up there for a moment so you can remember those little thoughts. But we use signs because they're a big deal. I remember when Emma was born, somebody invested in getting us one of those horrible storks that they put in your front yard. Have you ever seen those things? Those ugly storks, and they've got the little basket. And, and I remember thinking, we were, we were so tight at the time financially. We get home, there's this enormous stork in our front yard, and I'm just thinking, man, that had to be $30 or $50. That could have been a lot of formula. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I'm like, formula would have been good. But you know, then you get it, and you go, Somebody did that because they're announcing the arrival of our daughter, and they wanted us to know that they're celebrating with us that our daughter arrived. It's a big deal. God hung a star. He hung a star to say, I've come to you. He hung a star to say, everything's changing from this point forward. And as our video communicated to us before I started today, the angels went crazy Because they knew God was up to something that they couldn't even understand. I love the scripture in 1 Peter. Is it chapter 1 where it says, even angels long to look into these things. The angels are still trying to figure it out. If you're like, I don't have this all figured out yet. The angels don't have it all figured out yet. If they don't have it all figured out yet, my goodness, don't worry about it. We're growing. We're growing in knowledge of him. There is more revelation yet to come. But I'll guarantee you this. It's more than a star. It's a sign that the king has come. Oh, we love you, God. You are our king. You are our king. And we love you. And I thank you that you were willing to put on humanity for us. I thank you you were willing to leave glory. The the kavod that was above the heavens, you brought it with you because you were full of glory and truth. But you left it to bring it so that we can know and walk in what you have for us. We're absolutely amazed. We're amazed by you.